On this episode of the Building the Future podcast, we talk about a topic that is critical to our industry, specifically the future of our industry, and that is the people. It's no secret that we have struggled to bring in new talent to this industry. And today we break it down and we start to look at some examples of how we are informing and educating the youth, females, minorities, anybody that is not familiar with what we do. It is our responsibility to give them the opportunities and the tools needed to succeed, but then we also have to show them a path because together we are building the future. This is the Building the Future podcast. I am your host, the Lumberjack, Brett Thorne. On this show, we explore topics including construction, building materials, real estate, remodeling, the housing market, industry news, new products and trends, technology, government, everything you need for building the future. Welcome back to the Building the Future podcast. I am your host, Brett Thorne. And for any of you that have been in this industry for a while, it is no secret that we need to take steps in the right direction for improving and growing the future of this business. And that brings me to my guest today. This individual has almost 20 years of industry experience in various professional avenues. But more importantly, this individual has not been taking steps, but more leaps and bounds at building the future of this industry. Dina Cordova-Jack, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brett. So happy to be here. Well, Dina, if you don't mind, let's get you up to speed with the listeners. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, happy to. Um, I currently serve as the Executive Vice President for the Mountain States Lumber Dealers Association based in Denver. We represent five states, uh, Utah, Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona. We are a legislative advocacy and education association in the lumber industry. That is a lot. <clears throat> it is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yes. It's kind of a three-ring circus. But great. <laughs> so if it's a three-ring circus, where are you at in the three-ring circus? So uh, it's my job for uh, long-term strategy, creating programs and uh, for education, and then also for legislative advocacy on the issues that affect our industry the most. We do work at the state and the federal, at uh, the national level. We go to Washington, D.C. Um, annually for lobby days. And we are also very much engaged with our state legislators on um, issues that come up during the year prior to our legislative session. So it's, uh, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's always a challenge. It is ever-changing, and there is never a dull moment. So it really is a circus then. Yes, ab absolutely. And it being an election year, it gets to be even more so that way. As if there wasn't already enough going on this year. Yes, yes. 2020 is going to go down in history as one of those uh, uh, anomaly years, I hope. Just where everything that could be a challenge decided to present itself in, the, in this year. Yeah, it's, 
Wow. And, and, you know, it's such a strange thing, too, because coming into the year, I mean, it looked so promising. I mean, things yeah. that have been on a nice little pace of healthy growth throughout the industry. And 2020 was just continuing right on that track to really be above and beyond kind of what the previous years have been. And then just chaos, sheer chaos, it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It, it has been. And we've watched the effects on our industry. And I, I don't believe that we have seen everything that we're going to see, unfortunately. I know from an economic perspective, from a housing starts perspective, from a commodity market perspective, which is something that's very near and dear to my heart, because when I started in this industry, I worked for Georgia Pacific. And I was a commodity trader for many years there and also at Boise Cascade. So I've, um, I've gotten an opportunity to experience a lot of the different facets of our industry. And that was done, you know, that was done intentionally to build my career, to really understand every aspect of it and see how all the puzzle pieces fit together. So um, when I look at the effects that the pandemic has had on the commodity market, the housing market, um, I, I read and watch with a lot of great interest in terms of, you know, what is happening to us? What do we think the outcome is going to be? And I'm looking at every piece of information that I can possibly find because it's important that we we have that information and that we're a resource to the membership and to the industry at large to be able to provide as much information as we possibly can to our, our membership and our stakeholders. So you've had some experience. Obviously, now you're with the association side. Prior to this, you were with the wholesale side, with the commodity side. What other roles have you played throughout the industry? Well, um, I was on the wholesale side for 13 years. And then I went to a company called Foxworth Galbraith, who's based in Dallas, Texas. At the time I joined the team, we had 74 locations in Texas, Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona. Mm -hmm. And my eventual position there, I started out as a uh, national account sales manager. And then after about a year, quickly moved into the regional sales director. So I was responsible for running sales teams, educating, teaching, um, all of the sales functions working in tandem with the operational side of the business. So I had Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona. And it was... Uh, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. I've been really fortunate to be able to work with and for great mentors, great companies. Um, you know, Foxworth Galbraith had been around since 1911, and uh, they were really trying to transition towards being, uh, you know, a sales-driven operation as, as opposed to an operationally driven company, which, you know, in a lot of aspects, we, we see that in our industry. And... I was, uh, in terms of a director position, uh, you know, looking at drawing a parallel to women in industry, I was really honored to be the first woman female director in the history of the company. And I was there for, for almost 10 years and was able to um, just really learn and grow so much. And I was hopeful that I was helpful in allowing the company to learn and grow and expand. And you know, we, like all of us in the industry, were certainly hit hard in the recession in 2000, uh, 2007, 2008, 9. And it was, it was, it was tough. You know, I think I, 
I was witness and participated in closing more locations and laying off so many people that I, I never thought that I would ever go through that in my career and in my lifetime. And it, you know, it taught me a lot of good lessons that that I still carry forward today when I'm speaking to membership and talking to them about operations, whether it's you know operational concerns, sales concerns, just just their general operational perspective and what they're doing. And it's so it's so interesting to be able to um, I want to help and be in a position to be a resource for you know for our membership. So uh, you know after my tenure at Foxworth, I went out on my own for about a year. Um, I did consulting for a number of builders in the Colorado area, helped them with contracts and and purchasing using my um, commodities background, you know, understanding the market, helping them understand what they needed to know for, you know, for purchasing as we were beginning to come out of this, out of this situation. Um, all during this time, I had still been on the board of Mountain States in one capacity or another. And I had been joined them in 2004 um, when my predecessor decided to retire. She had been there about 30 years. And the board had asked me to step on. I was a past president, director, and had been affiliated with the association. I'd also had positions at the national level in D.C. on that board. And so the Mountain States board asked me to step in a few years ago and say, hey, would you, you know, would you do this? Like, I know about running lumber yards. And I don't know anything about about an association. I, it's like uh, I had a very a very broad conceptual idea of how it was run, but once I got into the nuts and bolts and really understanding what it meant and and what it was and what it was really all about, that perspective changed. And so as a result, the association has really morphed and undergone a big transition in the last few years in terms of you know, how it, how it looked. Um, everything went back to ground zero from uh, the website to the educational offerings that we had to how we interact with membership to online presence, um, all those different things. So, and, and it is definitely still a work in progress as well as it should be, you know, in our industry, because we all, if we're, if we're healthy, we're always looking at things in totality and, and trying to take a look at where are they going? How can we adapt? And and you know, jive into that that direction of that wind, so we can best take advantage of our our operational environment. Twenty twenty was um, was and is continues to be you know a bellwether year for us in terms of how fast can we adapt and what do we do and what lessons did we remember and bring forward from the Great Recession to where we are now. So. Those are those are just a, a lot of the things that um, that we're doing that we're looking at, and that philosophy to try to move us forward into through 2020 and position ourselves for 2021 20, and beyond. So I've heard you mention education multiple times there, both mm -hmm. in the retail side, on the association side, and obviously that is a very important thing, and yeah. that is kind of what drew me to you today in our conversation are the educational programs that you're involved with. One of the key ones that I've really seen a lot on is the CIC program. Mm -hmm. What is that? Um, the CIC is uh, acronym for Careers in Construction. And what this is, um, 
But what, what the CIC is, the acronym for Careers in Construction. And a few years ago, one of my very good friends, who is the CEO of the Calvita Springs, uh, the HBA of El Paso County, you know, um, and when I was at Foxworth, we talked a lot about building our bitch and what do we do? And there's not a lot of younger people in the industry. How do we reach these people? Because, you know, the traditional outreaches of going to like job fairs at colleges or, you know, th those kinds of things, they were really minimally su successful. There was not a whole lot of interest, I think, in our industry from that. And so we started talking to a community college here in Colorado Springs. And, you know, it, this all started out with outreach to the military because we had a lot of troops coming home. And it was talking to them about, hey, this is, you know, the military training, this is fantastic. This could translate really well into the industry and, and how we operate. And so we went, we first went down that road. That was somewhat successful. The, the community college was able to get some, uh, you know, construction programs into that. And then we started thinking about maybe let's let's go younger. What about um, in Colorado Springs, as in every big city, there are high schools that have that they struggle with graduation rates. There is, um, as we continue to see from, you know, the evolution of um, you know, the, the minorities that are coming into this country. And we look at that from the perspective of these kids in high school and what are their opportunities? Because there's a huge disparity in a lot of the high schools in the areas to where there's a district that might have like a, a low 80s graduation rate. And then on the other side of the city, we've got high schools that are in the high 90s. And we looked at the statistics on these kids and what is their plans? What are their plans? What's their opportunities when they get out of, of high school? And so a lot of times for these kids in the, the lower socioeconomic areas, college is not on the table for them. Trade school is not on the table for them. And so we started thinking about what could we do to work with the districts to get a program together to have these kids graduate high school and have some sort of certification program to where they could go out on the job site um, or go into a lumber yard and they could work. And so the National Association of Home Building in Washington, D.C., in conjunction with the area HBAs, began to work on a curriculum. And they came up with something a few years ago. And so they have a program that we are able to put into the high schools. And it's basically under the heading of like a shop class. And it's an entire semester. Kids that are in high school that are not seen, they're you know, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, they're able to take these classes. But by and large, we have mostly juniors and seniors in these classes. And when these kids graduate, um, it, is, it is a shop class, but they are able to build trusses, sheds. Some of them actually have homes that they can that they build that they're supervised on. And then these homes are sold. They're, they work in conjunction with an area builder. And that money goes back into the program to fund it even more because it is really pricey to, to do this because the schools, many high schools have done away with shop classes and Bowtech classes that, you know, back when I was in high school in the 80s, that was, that was a given. I mean, that was always there. And kids were able to come out with some sort of a trait. So... With this program, 
Um, it started off in Colorado Springs in El Paso County, started off with a couple of high schools. And in the last three or four years has really morphed. And so they're up to close to a thousand kids going through this program. We started it just this year in, in Denver in the 2019 and 20 academic school year. We had our first graduating class in May and it's been, um, it's been a little rough. We had six high schools in Denver and because of the pandemic and the you know, off-site education, um, it hasn't been easy. So there's been a little bit of a slowdown in terms of getting their certification because so much of what is being taught in these classes are, you have to be there, it is hands-on. So when these kids graduate with their certificate, they have the OSHA certification, basic safety, um, they understand the tools of the trade, they've, had, they've been involved in a build, they know um, basic building material terminology and how these things are used in a house. Um, they are taught basic blueprint, blueprint reading. Um, they can do uh, fairly basic takeoffs so they could, they could understand, hey, if I'm gonna build a shed or a deck, this is the material that I would need. Um, so, you know, we initially, this program was sending these kids out to job sites, builders. Uh, Renee and I started talking, it was like, well, hey, wait a minute, why can't these skills can translate into a lumberyard? Let's do, let's do this. Let's work on having this education be a little bit more multifaceted. So when these kids come out, they could go to work in a lumber yard. Maybe it's inside sales or basic customer service, or maybe it's working out of the yard, building house packs, or, you know, there's, there's a number of things that they could do. So like I said, in Denver, this was our first year um, of our graduating class. And we have, we have a few that are a little bit behind in that graduation simply because of the pandemic and they'll get there, it'll be okay. And, um, but right now we have, I have uh, six young men who are in the process of interviewing at area lumber yards and are looking at positions from inside sales to load builders to um, inventory management out in the yard. And the great thing about it when I'm when I'm speaking to these kids is helping them to understand because I think there's so many misconceptions about our industry and helping them to understand that there is such a huge opportunity here that they can start out in the yard. They can start out in customer service and they can build their career to where they have uh, it's a it's a very multifaceted, lucrative career that they can certainly accomplish so much in this industry and and really make a difference and when i'm speaking to these these uh these kids this isn't something that they've ever they've ever considered they might have an uncle or something that works as a you know maybe a framer or uh somewhere around that but going to work in um you know in an actual lumber yard and understanding how it works and uh you know what a service this is to your community this was something new to these students and a lot of them were, it gave them, you know, pause for thought and they became very interested in, in that opportunity. And so that's why I was really excited. We, we very much wanted to hit the ground running this year and the pandemic had other plans for us, but that's okay because we will, we will carry onward and upward and, and we are still, we are looking at the 2020 and 21 school year and we have at least six, maybe more high schools in the area willing to take on this program and teach these students. 
And this industry has never been known, or at least in our era, has never been known to be one that does a good job at promoting all the opportunities that are there. I mean, it seems yeah. to be that the people that are in this industry were either, you know, part of a family business, they got into it, or they stumbled into it. Nobody really went out and ever pitched it to them, say, hey, you know, here's some of the opportunities that we have to offer. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like that you guys are really taking that ball and running with it, especially at a young age to wow. show them early on to where they they have a choice, not, not the fact that, oh, well, I have nothing better to do and, and I got bills to pay, so I've got to find a job, so I will walk into this lumberyard, but mm -hmm. to get their interest started early. Do you right. see that that is something that these younger people are, are are excited about and look forward to and say, Hey, you know, I, I look, I've looked at this and I think this is something I'd really like to find out more about. I am beginning to see that. I think as we get more traction and you know, this program is expanding. I mean, the word of mouth is certainly huge in the high school with the students because you know, kids do talk and it's, it's been very interesting to me. Um, how this has already started to morph and, and, and gain traction. You know, this year we have, we work in, a, in conjunction with, not only with our HBA, but with the Association of General Contractors on this too. And so all of us in the industry, we're coming together, we're pulling together because it is so expensive to fund these programs in the school district. And we realize that in an industry, there's so many facets that we can all benefit from this. So um, this, was, this was ground zero for us this year in the Denver metro market. And the thought is, is to really take this and expand forward. So part of, um, part of the program is we were going to have a face-to-face -face job fair to where I was gonna bring people from our lumber yards, you know, hiring managers, general managers, assistants, whatever the case was going to be with me to a huge venue a few weeks before these kids actually graduated and talk to them more about what opportunities exist in the industry, whether it's, you know, in the lumber yard or whether it's out for a home builder or maybe it's a, a plumber or an electrician. And these kids, their eyes have really been open to all of the opportunities that really exist for them to build a very solid career. And that the fact that they can't afford trade school or college is no longer a, uh, you know, a block or a wall to them. And they don't have to go to work in a fast food restaurant or become, God forbid, become involved with, um, you know, the drug trade on the streets just to, to make a decent wage so they can support themselves. So it, it really has in the, you know, in the few counties that we've started this in has really made a, an impact. And I was just super bummed that that uh, the pandemic kind of threw a little bit of a monkey wrench into it this year from starting in the Denver metro area. But we've seen such, such interest from these students. And, you know, and, and the other important part of that is, you know, really building their, their ability to believe in themselves and that they actually, that they can. Um, when I was at Foxworth, one of the things that I did was I um, I taught. Uh, it, it was it was uh, you know Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teenagers, mm -hmm. and I did that through the HBA in El Paso County. And I ended up because nobody else wanted to do this. It was a, a volunteer thing, and Foxworth Galbraith was was gracious enough to let me do it. But I ended up at the jail, 
the juvenile jail teaching this. I went in twice a week to this facility and it was very eerie to have these humongous metal doors closing behind you and be escorted by a sheriff and all armed and you know you needed to have your your briefcase checked before you went in and and just to be in this environment where these kids were on lockdown and the the charges ranged from drugs to theft they were all under 18 the facility handled kids from 12 to 18 once they were 18 depending on the severity of their crime they were um, sent to like a pre-release adult prison or they were set back into the wild um, after their rehabilitation. But, uh, you know, we had, um, unfortunately, a couple of kids that had um, been in for murder. And they were, I was teaching these these young men. And uh, I have a son, too, who's, you know, he's older and graduated from school. But, you know, I could I could relate to these young men and, you know, sitting there in this room full of young men with tattoos on their faces, arms, and, you know, just really, really hardened by the circumstances that they had had in their young lives. And, and just the look of, I just, I got to be here because this is what I'm supposed to do and they're making me do it. You know, to go from that in a semester, what we did was we worked on job skills. We worked on interview. We we worked on being able to solve issues together. So we had hypothetical situations to where we'd break out in groups and they had to work together to come up with, with solutions to this. And it was real world issues that they might encounter out there in these jobs. And, um, you know, and one of the other things was being able to stand up and do a presentation in front of the group of their peers and look them in the eye, shake their hand and being able to speak persuasively and give an explanation as to why they chose a solution to the situation. And in the very beginning, I mean, we started doing this right away. It was like I was going to beat it into their heads. And it was so interesting to see the transformation for me from the beginning of the semester when I started with these young men to the end, because at the end, um, almost every single one of them could get up, pull their pants up and stand in front of the classroom and speak to their peers. And the difference between them, between seeing them at the beginning of the semester to the end of the semester was night and day. And it was life changing for me to be able to watch these young men be able to come to that realization that they could do this and that there was opportunity that their, what they had done in their young lives wasn't going to limit them in being able to be a productive citizen in their community in the future. And so I, I would like to think, I mean, I did speak a lot about my industry and, and what we did and they knew where I worked and, you know, I invited them to come in and, and put an application at some of the lumber yards around Colorado and, and so that, you know, that really started this whole thing for me. That was really the ground floor. And I've always been passionate about education and teaching and, and pushing yourself and expanding your horizons. But that was really my, that was my springboard for really being so passionate about this. And it's not just, you know, it's not just the underprivileged kids that, that can use this. And I, I don't mean to say that this program is for them because it's not. It is, you know, in all high schools that we are in right now, we see kids from all socioeconomic platforms. 
And what's really cool is we are seeing some young women in these classes now too, which I'm super stoked about. And it, it's just, it's amazing to watch these kids. It really is. And it really sounds like you're making great headway there. And, and I mean, that's a that's a wonderful story. I mean, to see your growth with it, along with all of these yeah. um, minors, uh, well, not necessarily minors, but all this youth that you are embracing and taking in and showing them a path and giving them some good direction. On the other side of that scale, the labor source or, or the the end user that's needing this, how are they accepting? I mean, that's something I hear throughout the industry and have for ever since we've started coming out of the recession is mm -hmm. whether it's your, the contractors out in the field, whether it's your lumber yards, whether it's your wholesalers, everybody has been screaming for good qualified help. How are they accepting these types of programs? They're very excited about that. And, you know, one thing I'm preaching to, our lumberyards and our members and our companies, you know, all over. And I, and I'm talking about this to my counterparts all over the United States. And they're very interested in watching this program grow. And as we continue to, to move through this, because it is so, it is so grassroots for us, but we all need to pitch in together. So, you know, when I look at the, the recession that we went through, um, you know, we lost a generation. We really did in our industry. And, when I'm out speaking to people at conferences and, you know, I look out into these, into these large ballrooms and most of the people that I see are in their fifties, sixties, they're older, they're, they're close to the end of their careers. What I don't see is the young people. I don't see the bench. And so my, my thought process is I'm going through and I'm asking people to support this. We do fundraising through mountain States as a huge golf tournament in July. It's been pushed back to August, which I'm really hoping that we're going to be able to not have to push it back any further. But every single bit of the proceeds from that goes to fund this program for the academic year for our for our share. And it's it's a heavy lift. And so when I'm asking our, you know, our membership and our companies to support this, you know, it's like, yes, we all it's a it's a problem we all share in common. But we have to save ourselves because there's nobody coming to save us. So this is something that we can do to build our bench, to get young people in the industry. And it's not going to be the silver bullet. This is going to be years in progress because I think what the recession took away from us was that, was that generation. We had an issue with it before with, with building our bench and getting young people. But I think the, um, the recession really took that away even in a more dramatic fashion for us. So this is, this is critical that we take advantage of this. And, and so I have had, for example, when I knew these kids were gonna graduate and I was talking to the program coordinator and she's like, okay, this is what I got. These are the gentlemen that I think would fit. So I sent out an email to uh, the Denver Metro dealers, um, you know, to the associate members, which are like the warehousers, the Boise's, um, to all of our lumber yards. And was like, here's what we got guys. Um, do you have any positions? And I was concerned because I know that there've been furloughs and layoffs and because of what had happened in the pandemic. And to their credit, so many stepped up and said, hey, this is what I need, have them call me. And so that was that was great. They've been very receptive and they're very excited about what we're doing with this here. So that in turn makes me know that we are on the right path. 
And that path you're on, it seems like you've really covered all the bases of that. I mean, you're there on the education side. You're giving them the the, the programs. You're giving them the opportunities. You're painting a picture for them of what they can do, giving them the knowledge and stuff. And then you're playing the other side of it to where you've got the people that are needing those labor forces that are needing yeah. that help. They're in the game too. And they're, everybody's working together and they realize, I mean, that's uh, again, as I said before, I mean, we've got to, this industry has to take some steps in the right direction. And we first yeah. got to acknowledge the fact that we have a problem that we have not done a good job of selling this industry and, and recruiting people and getting people excited about it and showing people those opportunities. So you're really on that path you're on, you're covering all the bases. So with that, you know, if people are interested in finding out more about this program, where can they do that? at? Uh, they can look at the CIC website, um, which is which is certainly online careers in construction. Um, they can look at the CS Colorado Springs HBA.com and they can go to Mountain States, which is MSLBMDA.org, or they can email me. Dina at mountainstateslumber.com or call. I'm happy to speak to anyone, email anyone at any time about this because it's what's critical is that we get the word out and we have the support to move us all forward together. Now, let's shift gears just a little bit because I did hear you mention in there women in this industry. Mm -hmm. As if you didn't already have enough going on between your executive vice president role at the association with the CIC program, you have another program that is geared at bringing women into this industry. Yes. What can you tell us about that, Dina? Well, we uh, we started this a couple of years ago, and the impetus behind that was partly a, a lot of what I'll call my tribe that I found in the last few years. Um, my tribe throughout my 20 plus year tenure, tenure in this industry has been men up until recently. My mentors, um, managers, and, and I've been so fortunate to learn from some of the very best in this industry. But recently, over the last few years, I was able to meet some women that were in executive level positions. And, uh, you know, we started talking. It was like... <laughs> How come there aren't more of us here? Why? Why is that? You know, and it was just, it was odd. And as I said, when I'm when I'm speaking, when I'm in out in the industry at conferences and speaking, I'm looking out at these ballrooms and I'm like, uh, huh, this is so interesting to me. Um, you know, when I was at Foxworth, I was the only. It's like being the only girl on the team. Not that there's anything wrong with that. That's how I built my career. Totally fine. I had a lot of good buddies out there, but the thing is. And what really brought it to light was last year, I was invited to speak at the LBM Strategies Conference in Austin, Texas. And and my platform and what I was speaking on was women in industry. And so I started to do some research about um, women in industry. So what I found was, and, and a lot of the information, because there aren't that many of us, it's pretty, um, it's pretty vague. But to the best of my ability, what I was able to find was when I look at our industry across all of the facets. Women make up about 5% of the population in terms of the workforce. When you look at the workforce in the United States, women make up about 51% of the workforce and men 49. So you could see that there is definitely a disparity in you know, female versus male ratio. 
Maybe a little bit. Has nothing to do with men versus women. It has everything to do with we're struggling as an industry on finding people to work um, and build their careers in it. So in my mind, I thought, man, we're kind of missing the boat because we have this huge percentage of women out there that are in the workforce. And we're not talking about the successes that we've had in the industry. And then I drilled that down a little bit further into, okay, let's look at that 5%. So when we moved it down further, um, looking at women in executive or leadership positions, whether it was like management or VP roles, C, you know, C-suite, that kind of stuff. Um, wow, that was less than 1%. So you've got a lot of the women that are in this industry, you will see them in customer service, inside sales, uh, credit and admin functions. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But my thought is, why not provide a path for those women to move their careers too? Just as much as we're focusing on these young people coming into the industry, what is the career path? So I started talking to women. I um, ended up doing a, a roundtable, um, summer before last, and had women from all facets of the industry. I had wholesalers. It was you know it's pretty small. I had wholesalers, I had lumber yards, women that were in various capacities from inside sales to territory managers to an assistant manager of a, of a very large lumber yard in Utah and sat down and talked to them just about what, what do you consider to be, you know, the block to move forward? Why do you, what is your perception about why there aren't more women in the industry? And you alluded to earlier that there was the people landed in this industry, a lot of them, either through family connection or by fluke. That's what happened to me. That's how I ended up at GP. My next door neighbor was the general manager of the Georgia Pacific Distribution Facility in Denver. And just we were talking one day and he's like, hey, uh, you want to come work for me? And that's how I started this. And I was just a couple years out of college and and I had no clue what I was doing, absolutely no clue. And he hired me to come in and run their um, their credit their credit department. I was like, okay, I got a college degree. I guess I can do this. And so I walked in. It was like, it's a $90 million portfolio. Just don't lose any money. Well, my office happened to be sitting right outside of the commodity trading floor. And after a couple of years of doing, I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. I want to do that. And so that's that's kind of where I started, learned from the ground up and took tests and and went from there. But, you know, my replacement in that was was also female. When I looked at the admin in in GP, that was all female, too. But, you know, in, in sharing my story with a lot of these young women in the roundtable, uh, the, the things ranged from, well, I don't know how. You know, I don't know how to move forward. I, I don't know what the path is. And I guess I just never really thought about the fact that I could do something different. And to me, it was what I came away with from that was really a crisis of confidence because we learn by watching, right? And in a lot of times, um, humans, I think in general, are pretty much visual learners. And so these women in the industries that they work in, in the companies, they had no, they had no role models. They didn't. They didn't see anyone, you know, doing this. It was, 
it was very different. So once we started having this conversation, um, I really realized the importance of, because it is such a minority in this industry, of really paying more attention to it and getting that tribe together of women who could support and mentor and coach each other through to these next levels and help them build their careers. And by the way, bring other women into the industry because we need to start talking about it. It needs to be, it needs to be a bigger topic. And I think it really dovetails nicely with what we're doing with careers in construction as well. So it was, it was an interesting aha moment going through that round table. Um, we had planned on having our second, um, I call it Will, Women in Lumber Leadership Conference in June of this year. It was going to be the first week in June. And unfortunately, the pandemic had other plans for us. So I postponed that. Um, we are we are looking at a virtual platform, as so many of our brothers and sisters have been doing with, with scheduled conferences. My concern about that is because this is so, again, it's grassroots and it's new. The tangible aspect of being face-to-face -face with others and building those relationships is, is so critical to getting these kinds of programs going. Um, you know, I'm talking to some of the other leaders or some of my other tribe in the industry about, hey, what do you think? Do we abbreviate this conference? Maybe we just have like a, an online, like an abbreviated roundtable just to kind of kick this off and get it going and then move the conference to, uh, you know, sometime early in 2021. Is that, is that an option? So that's, that's what we're looking at. But, you know, there has been, I've been really grateful for the, the level of interest that has existed out there. Um, you know, some of the, it's, we kind of have a joking relationship about it with some of my, uh, my companies in the, in the association. It's like, you know, what are you guys going to do? Get in there and talk about, talk about the evil men. And it's like, nope, not like that at all. This is not band bashing one-on-one. So, um, you know, it's, it's really all about, um, owning your own communication style, building your own brand and taking that responsibility for building your career in the industry. And that there are so many resources to, you know, to reach out to and, and have that ability to to walk through things together. So I, I think that's something that's also very near and dear to my heart. So, you know, it will continue in uh, what fashion is going to continue in the very near future. I'm not sure. But I know that the, the tribe of women that is, is behind this, it's we will continue and we will grow you and this pandemic just aren't playing nicely together, are you? No, it's just kind of harsh my mellow, you know, <laughs> it really has. <laughs> but that's okay. You adapt, right? It's just like the industry. You adapt and you jive. So that's what you got to do. So what do you think it is that is holding our industry back from getting more women involved and in more roles, particularly? I know you said that um, obviously there's, certain categories, the um, admin side that they tend to flourish in a little bit, but maybe the inside sales a little bit, but not many of the other roles. Why is that in your opinion? That's a really good question. And I, and I don't think that there is, is one silver bullet answer to that. I, you know, I look at, I look at my time at Foxworth Galbraith and my partner for my region was 
uh, was a guy who couldn't have been, who couldn't have been a better match for me. He taught me so much. I learned so much from him. Um, we made such an amazing team and we complimented our strengths and weaknesses really complemented each other. And we were able to do, even during the recession, things that, um, I don't know that anybody thought we could. I mean, we, we accomplished record-breaking results. And I knew that I couldn't do that by myself. It was the power of this team and the people with us that, that made that possible. And, you know, I, I look at, and I've spoken to so many other women during the years and it's, I think it's, it's a combination of women not really understanding what this industry is because I've, I've been on a number of planes and I've had women sit next to me and say, so what is it that you do? And I'll try to explain it to them. Oh, you mean you guys, you're, you guys are the ones that cut down all the trees. Well, no, that's really not what this industry is all about. No, let me try to explain it to you a little bit more. And See, I just go right for the jugular. I just tell people I'm a lumberjack. I just, you know, I cut to the chase. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you, guys are, you guys are evil. Yeah, it is, it is just, the, it's the misconception about our industry. And what it really is, is so rampant and so prevalent out there. And it always has been a male-dominated industry. I mean, let's get real, right? From the old days, you're not going to have women out there lumberjacking trees and, and doing all that stuff. And it, you know, and it truly was um, a male-dominated industry back in the day. And I think our industry as a whole, when we look at tech and we look at banking and we look at all the other industries that are out there, we have been slower to evolve. And it's not a knock against us. We're just a very traditional industry. And I love that about us too. But we risk, I think we are really at the crossroads now to where we evolve or we really get left behind. And the time for that to happen was, you know, was quite some time ago. So we're going to be playing catch up. You know, that story that I shared with you about some of the women in the industry, and it's not, not all, but the ones that do want to grow and, and, and develop their careers in the industry, it's a real, um, I think it's a lack of education and what could be? What is it that you want to do? What are the steps you need to take to get there? And I have been so fortunate in my career that the the gentlemen that have mentored me and I was raised by a pack of men in this industry. I really was. I mean, I was very young when I started. And can I just say I love all your terminology? A pack of men, a tribe of women. I mean, <laughs> it was. I, I it's. I exaggerate that there was no no fluff in that when I say that I was raised by a pack of men, and they were so they were so awesome to me, and that they gave me these opportunities. And I and I just I liken it to being in this huge jungle, and it was like, oh, there's a vine. I want to swing from that one. So it was just a very. It was. They knew that. I wanted to understand all the pieces and parts and how do they fit together and how does this work? And they gave me those opportunities and I took advantage of that. And like I said, there's, there's very few, when I looked at who I wanted to emulate in this industry, it was all men. It was the Tom Hoffman's of Boise Cascade. It was the Bill Miller's of Alpine Lumber. It was the Max Gutz's of Alpine Lumber. Those were the those were the men that I looked up to, that I admired, that I learned from. And there's a whole host of others that would take me a while to go through and name them. But, you know, some of how they 
did what they did um, and the heights that they achieved in their careers was I didn't have that style. I needed to embrace the style working as as a man does or relating to the world as a man does doesn't work very well if you're a woman. And so I really needed to understand those differences and incorporate in those as I was growing up in the industry and developing my own style. And I think that's something that we really need to talk about to the women in the industry and to the women that are coming on is, you know, back in the, in the nineties, 1990, when I joined the industry, it was, um, Georgia Pacific still had the policy of where you worked at a distribution center and you dressed up. It was business casual. Women being able to wear pants there um, was was still relatively relatively new. Men still had to wear ties. So you know we've we've evolved, you know, somewhat in the in the industry to that. But I think that, um, like I said, we have just been a lot slower to evolve. And I think that we need to put our foot on the gas and and really come together and make a cohesive effort to pursue not only the younger people in our industry, but both genders and, and bring them in. And I and we can we can do that together. We absolutely can do it together. Just me out there with my voice isn't going to make a huge difference. But your voice, your reader or your listeners that you have, um your readers, your blogs, whatever you're doing. I mean, we get a bunch of us together and that's where that's where the change comes from. That's how the message resonates and that's how we reach everyone. Yeah, and I love the fact, I love to hear you say that it's for the women in the industry, women coming into the industry. So mm -hmm. it, it's really for everybody. These kind of programs, these kind of yeah. educational things are, you know, anybody that's here that wants to expand and wants more opportunities or those that are interested in getting into it want to find out more. Yeah. I've always thought personally, and I've always said that I think women can do very, very well in this industry, especially when you look yeah. at roles like the sales roles, outside sales, inside sales, either one, uh -huh. management roles. Yeah. Uh, and, and just speaking in general terms, I mean, women tend to be a little bit more organized, a little bit more structured <laughs> than men. And our, the projects we do, I mean, they require a lot of structure and organization. Right. They require mm -hmm. a lot of planning. I mean, you don't order windows and they show up tomorrow. You nope. don't order doors and they're there the next day. You've got to have this stuff ordered. You have to have things picked out. You have to know colors. You I mean, there's so many minor details that affect the outcome of the project. And it all has to be coordinated and scheduled and planned. And, you know, and I'm a guy and I'm in this industry and have been in it my entire life. We're terrible about that stuff. I mean, <laughs> I can't tell you, I spend my, so much of my time putting out fires. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So I really think that there's a great opportunity there for women and not to say that guys can't be organized and structured because they can, but let's yeah. face the fact, let's be honest here. Women tend to be a little bit a little bit more proactive with that. They get the, they have those abilities a little more naturally. So yeah. I, I think that's great. Now, if, if there's anybody out there, be it somebody that wants to get into this industry or somebody that's already existing, that's a female that wants to find out more about some of the things that you have going on, these will round tables and some of these uh -huh. programs, where can they do that at? 
They can reach out directly to me at Dina at mountainstateslumber.com or they can call, they can go to the website. Um, they can contact me through there. Uh, there's a number of number of avenues. I am more than happy to speak with anyone at any time about what we're doing, listen to uh, ideas that people may have. I mean, all of us are smarter than one of us, right? So uh, that's let's I'm happy for the input to get us all together to for the greater good. So contact away. Dina, I, I love what you're doing here. I mean, you really are. Like I said earlier, you are taking leaps and bounds at helping build the future of this industry. I, I can't say enough for the, what you're doing and what you've put together. Before I let you go, do you have any closing thoughts? My closing thoughts would be, um, first of all, thank you for the opportunity to talk about this, these these. These things that are so near and dear to my heart and that I believe can really have a profound effect on our industry in the years to come and how we operate um, and how we develop our strategic long-term strategy. And that's, you know, that's important. Um, my other closing thought is that by doing what you're doing and expanding your outreach to where, you know, doing podcasts and, you know, having people putting things out there just for consideration, different thoughts, different ways of doing things, different ideas to approach the issues that we all share in common in this industry. Um, instead of just talking about it and keeping it in a little bubble that you're able to expand that and get that out there into the universe is, is fantastic. I'm grateful that you're doing this and I'm grateful to have a small part in doing this. And I really appreciate on behalf of the entire industry. Thank you for the idea that you've put together and that you have launched and executed because, you know, like the programs that we're starting here, what you're doing, I believe can also have a profound effect on the entire industry and serve a much higher purpose. So thank you for doing that. Dina, together we are building the future. This is the Building the Future podcast. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Please like and share. You can find out more at our website, www.buildingthefuturepodcast.com. Together we are building the future.